Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today is a very special episode because I'm joined by my buddy Will Phelps and Chase and Amy Barty of Tight Loops. Now, if you're unfamiliar, we just released our feature-length movie, Hope in High Water, which was a collaborative effort between Wildfly, Tight Loops, and Will Phelps. And this was actually the first time that all four of us had sat together and been together since shooting this project back in August. We had just wrapped up two live film premieres, one in Salt Lake and one in Denver, and the whole crew got to be there for the Denver show. So this is just a day after the Denver show, we got to reflect on the entire project as well as our thoughts, feelings, just what the experience was like at this premiere and share some behind the scenes insight on how this project actually came to be, stuff that you're not actually going to hear about in the movie. But if you do want to go watch the movie, it is live now on our website at wild-fly.com movie. And when we were editing this, we knew this was bigger than your standard YouTube video. So we wanted to release it a little bit differently. We uh, decided to create a pay what you think is fair paywall model, which gives you guys the opportunity to pay from a dollar up, whatever you think is fair, and whatever you want to donate to us uh, to help support this project and our future endeavors and future projects. And for those of you who donate $50 or more, we will be putting your name in the credits of the film when it goes live on YouTube eventually next year, which it'll live there forever. We are also donating a portion of our proceeds to Western Native Trout Initiative, which is an organization that helps protect, restore, and enhance native fish populations here in the West. So everything that you guys donate uh, to the film, we're also donating a portion of that to Western Native Trout Initiative. This is a really fun conversation, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy it, especially if you've been following along with this project, and you've maybe already seen the film, I think you'll really enjoy this. So, without further ado, let's jump in. Did we? What, why, why are we here? That's a good question. I'm wondering the same thing. <laughs> how, how did we all get up here? I drove. Where Where are we? Okay, so we oh, just hosted shit. two film premieres to our new film, Hope in High Water. You can see our movie poster here, designed by the talented Amy Barty. Art director. Here? Art director. Yeah. Big time. It's a new title for me. Yeah, but we just wrapped up our our two film premieres, Denver. In Salt Lake, and uh, Will got to join us. I'm the DP, we, we just so everyone knows. Yeah, <laughs> that stands for Director of Photography. Beautiful. We, I just guess, we in case. all been together since the trip, right? Like, yeah, yeah, collectively. Yeah, true. It's been a this has been a big project this year, and probably my favorite project I've worked on. Just having everyone together and like getting us all to collaborate. So I guess we're just gonna kind of reflect on the whole process now that we <clears throat> have finished the film we've showed it to an audience to audiences <clears throat> and now we're about to release it here in a couple of days to the public but you're still gonna have to pay money to watch it so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly kind of the public <laughs> uh, we'll dive into to all that here in a sec but how are you guys feeling after i guess we should start out with will 
yeah. Will, your first time seeing the film was last night. You hadn't seen a cut. You hadn't even seen like, hey, Will, check out this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Total surprise. Nothing. nothing. That was very exciting. I, I was stoked on that. And I told you, I was like, I don't want to see it. I want to see it for the first time on the big screen. And I want to hear everyone's reactions to the live viewing, which is, I think it was so important with this whole, whole process was seeing it live in a big room with everyone there. And we all get to experience it together because as we've talked about, um, amongst ourselves, but when you watch a video on YouTube, you're watching it alone most of the time and you just see a number on the bottom, you know, you know how many people have seen it, but you don't get to actually experience that viewing with those people watching the film and to see it all together in a room with everyone, you know, they're all seeing it for the first time along with us and like experiencing it together as a group. It's a much different experience than just hitting play and watching it on a screen wherever you might be in the world. So I thought it was awesome. I, I'm super stoked. You guys did such an incredible job putting the film together and I didn't do, do any editing cause I know like y'all were going to crush it. There was no question because of all the work that we've y'all put out. Of course I've seen all of your films and I've seen pretty much everything that Scotty's put out too. And pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to watch. On the <laughs> there's a lot you don't need to see. <laughs> it's a, a lot. It's a lot easier to get through our filmography because there's like ten videos we've ever made. So. <laughs> light on the content, but yeah. So like, it was a given you were gonna crush it. So I felt confident handing off all the footage to you guys and knowing that you were gonna put out something way better than I would have been able to do myself. So I love that feeling, knowing that I did the job to my best ability because I think of myself as a filmer most of the time. I don't think of myself as an editor. Editing is usually a task that I have to do. It's a part of filmmaking. It's a part of learning how to be a filmmaker. You can't be a filmer without being an editor, and you can't be an editor without being a filmer. And it's a really important part of the process to do both so you have an understanding of how to do your job. And I know you guys are just such great editors, so it's just it's a pleasure to be able to do the filming and hand it off to someone that's going to actually do the footage justice and create the story how it should be told. Yeah, and you crush it. Yeah, I mean, I think we had the same sentiment for the other way around. I mean, we talked about it a bunch during the trip when we were filming that like we had such full confidence in you behind the camera that we never even needed. I mean, we did do like show and tell when we were dumping footage and reviewing, but like, I didn't feel like I needed to review anything to make sure we were getting it. Like we knew you were getting it. We were getting it. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, of any of us here, you're like the most consummate professional when it comes to filmmaking, um, in terms of being behind the camera. Cause I don't know, your career is taking you all over the place. You've had lots of like high pressure jobs or you've had to perform. Um, Yeah just in terms of like showing up and getting it done. I feel like you're the most reliable person that I probably know. So yeah, full confidence, uh, on site that you were going to get it. And then it's cool to know you had confidence that we'll, we'd take care of it on the back end. I was just thinking how funny would it be if you were like handed off the footage and you're like, I'm going to also make my own edit that I'm going to put on <laughs> to like my own, to my YouTube channel. <laughs> there was like the, the Phelps cut, <laughs> the deep cut. You're like, you guys can go ahead and make whatever you're going to make, but I'm just going to make sure that like, I at least get one good cut out of this. So it's definitely not going to be up to my standards. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I knew there was no way that it would be anywhere near as good as y'all. So I just decided not to do that this time around. <laughs> And that's yeah. just too much work too. So it was a lot of work. This project was long. I mean, planning, we started what talking about this in January of last year or this year, I guess, 2023. Now we're in December. Yeah. And then it 
took a lot of hoops and things we had to jump through to to get there and then last minute had to change gears and kind of switch our plans up um which i think we talked about this in the last podcast but i don't know it was, it was crazy how uh so much during the trip we thought everything was going wrong and we thought i think you even said this in the film but it's like all these things are going wrong all these things are going wrong and then you come away with it and it's like this incredible story and you're like how did you just we had hope that it was just going to happen and was not exactly, not at all what we thought it was going to be, but yeah. turned out to be kind of cool. And I hope people are stoked about it because I'm super proud and it was fun to collaborate with you guys, especially this last week where we were staying up late. It was a rush to the finish line. We literally exported the day of the Salt Lake premiere yeah, <laughs> to like get it out. Two in the morning yeah. after like not sleeping for days and questionable decisions could have been made at two in the morning but we we pulled it off we made it through <laughs> yeah in this podcast are we allowed to like talk spoilers about the film at all or is this like it's I out the film's out right people uh out, by the time this i don't out. think we should say too many spoilers okay but we should talk about like stuff that happened throughout the trip right well i, well, I was gonna say that um the film ended up i think being very relatable at least from what we can tell from our first two test screenings, you know, with an audience, it seems like people can really relate to this type of story. You know, there's a lot of really exotic, incredible fishing films that are out of like just once in a lifetime fishing events, like the biggest fish of your life, the most fish you've ever caught. And like, that's not really what happens in this film. And I think it's hard for, it's hard for the average person to relate to a story like that. Cause you might go your whole life and never get a day. Like some of the days you've seen in the big fishing films, but like everyone's gotten their ass kicked. <laughs> you know, and this is kind of a story about getting your ass kicked a little bit and like, yeah, without giving away too much, like we find some, some decent fishing, but it's not like out of this world, but in comparison to like how bad we're getting our asses kicked, like it feels like the best day of fishing. You know, I think everyone's kind of had that moment out on the water. I think it's easier to come by those than it is like the unbelievable banner days that, you know, once in a lifetime fishing opportunities, like it's pretty easy to get skunked where then then you're like 12 inch whitefish is like a trophy you know what i mean because <laughs> you've yeah. been beaten down so bad or whatever we don't catch any whitefish in this film actually scotty <laughs> caught one but it's not on camera <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> delete 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 me fighting it and then we cut to the a trout no i'm just kidding but we do uh yeah we, we got one or two whitefish or something yeah it was uh yeah, it was a very relatable story i think and we also did it all in public land mm-hmm. and it was everything was accessible by four wheel drive trucks or cars. Um, yeah. What, what was it like for you, Will, throughout the trip? You know, we went in with a certain idea and expectation of what we wanted to capture, but obviously we were throwing all these hoops and all these uh, different obstacles. What was it like for you filming that and trying to make sure we got the story? Yeah. Did, did you feel like, did you feel any pre- like added pressure um, knowing that, you know, like things weren't going well that if you did like miss a take, it might be like the only one we get. Like, I don't know. Did it feel like higher, higher stakes? Cause things weren't going well. Yeah. There's no question about that because you know, as everyone that's probably watching knows anything can happen when you're fishing, it can seem really, really horrible. And then out of the blue, you know, that 22 inch monster cutty eats the fly. And if you're not in it, when that happens, and everyone's like morale is down 
the camera is down, not recording, and then it just happens and you miss it. Like there's the moment where the climax of the film happens and it wasn't filmed. So for me, I always have to be in the game, <clears throat> even when the anglers are not paying attention and totally disregarding the fishing. I have to expect the most out of the situation in any given angling situation. That's just the only way to approach it when you're the camera guy and it's your job to be there and capture it because I find myself sometimes drifting into the mindset of the angler when we're all kind of in it together. Cause we are, we're all out there experiencing together and you don't really see it um, unless you watch a behind the scenes cut of the film, which I don't know if it exists, but we're all hanging out and we're talking and we're, we're kind of all there together. You don't really see me in the film because I'm behind the lens filming it the whole time, but like we're all kind of experiencing it together and going through it together. And sometimes it's hard to take yourself out of that mindset of being in the moment with the anglers. So when their morale is down, sometimes my morale gets down and then I lose focus and we're all just kind of hanging out like, Oh, what do we do? And then I have to step back from that situation and be like, wow, I actually need to be capturing the, this moment of us, you know, figuring out what to do, capturing them and not, not be in the situation. You have to kind of step back and pull yourself out of it and observe from an outer perspective, which can be really hard to do especially when you're with your friends and you're enjoying a certain scenario together, you have to, you have to take the stand to be like, no, I need to actually take myself out of this situation and not be involved and step back and then just observe and document it. And that for me can be really tough because, you know, we're all have out there having a good time and it, you get caught up in that situation where you're kind of becoming a part of the film, but you're not supposed to be. <laughs> yeah and that and that to me can always be tough but at the same time i enjoy it because it it really puts you in that position of observing and when it really came down to the to the to the wire and it was our last spot on the film you know you guys were all down and i could tell and we were camping in this one spot for days just waiting for the fishing to be good and everyone's morale was down, but I knew that it was going to be good fishing. Like I could see the watercolor and like how things were developing. I was like, wait, this is actually, this is it. Like I could feel it. You know, you get that energy, that spidey tingle, you know? And that was the moment for me to like step back and, and like really get my head in the game. And for, I don't know how that sense came upon me. I'm really glad it did because that day I was able to step back and really like try and capture what was going down because if that didn't happen, then we might not have had the right morale going into the situation to actually get it done. And we ended up getting it done. And I don't know, it's just those moments when it comes down to the wire like that, where you just have to like, just buckle down and no matter what, just keep pushing through those hard times. And that's a reflection of just being an angler too, not just being a camera guy and documenting it. But when things get tough, that's sometimes when it can get good. Like you don't know, like anything can happen in fishing. It, that's why it's awesome because unexpected things happen. And when you really push through those hard situations, more often than not, it pays off. Do you feel like it's hard? Sorry to keep asking you pointed questions, but we've done two of these podcasts already with just us without you. So I've got lots yeah. of questions I've been wanting to ask you. Um, <laughs> do you feel like, as an angler, because you're also a super avid angler. I mean, you're 50% angler, 50% filmer. You know what I mean? Like you, you probably want to be fishing just as bad as you want to be 
filming, like when the fishing turns on like that, do you ever get the FOMO of like, fuck, I want to take a cast or whatever, or, or are you just, are you just as stoked to be like getting it behind the camera? Um, cause like you went through all the same stuff we did just like slogging through the rain, being miserable. And then like, if things get good, you'd be like, I want to partake in this. Or you're like, is your role rewarding enough? We are like, yes, like I'm getting it on camera. Like this is good enough for me. Like I don't even need to fish or whatever. Yeah. Oddly enough, I would much rather be behind the camera when that happens because you have to be a decent enough angler to be able to capture it in the way that it should be captured. And the only time I ever want to actually be the guy fishing or the gal fishing, but I'm a guy. So I say guy, I'm just trying to be PC here. You're the guy. <laughs> I'm the guy. Um, the only person I ever want to be, the only time I ever want to be the angler is when the angler sucks. <laughs> so thankfully you guys can all whip a whippy stick. We can all dangle. You can all dangle the fly pole. <laughs> and in that time, when that, when, when I'm with people that can fish, I would much rather be the camera guy. Cause it takes two to tango. Yeah. Someone's got to be the camera person. Someone's got to be the angler. And I love fishing, but I also love filming. And when you put two and two together and you come out with the result that we're all here to accomplish, that's way more satisfying to me than actually catching the fish myself. Cause I don't need to catch more fish. I've caught a lot of fish in my life and I will catch more. You know, I have a lot of years ahead and there's no reason to like feel that anxiety to catch a fish. Like I just put that behind me. I don't really need to be there and catch that fish. I'll, you know, I can go fishing on my own whenever I want. Like when you're there in the moment behind the camera and I'm there doing my job and the fishing's really good and the anglers are really good and, and you get that like magic that's happening, yes. you know, I just, that just makes me want to buckle down more and really like get it done. Yeah. I'm sure you feel the same way about filming snowboarding or skiing. Cause I used to film skating too, Totally. where it's like, if your homie, plans a trick that they've been starting through and like you nail it on it's like we did that like we did yeah. this trick yes. or same thing like we landed this fish you know like yeah it feels like a group effort or it whatever 100 percent, and especially with snowboarding and i love snowboarding with people that are way better than me because then i really feel like it's the time for me to step back and let them do what they do best and then i'll do what i do best and then it takes like i said it takes two to tango you know okay. I think that's a overall theme of this entire project, especially these events was just the team aspect of it was the coolest thing. I mean, we were here with, you know, we had our buddy JD Clayton here at the Airbnb who was playing music for us. We had my parents, my best friend from back home, Jared, we had Brent, like we had our merch guy, Luke, we had the whole team here that helped make these events and this project possible. They planned some of the you know folks planned the events like my mom and Dustin which allowed us the space to finish the film. And then it was just like so rewarding and so exciting, even just being in the space together and everyone like interacting. We've all, a bunch of us had met for the first time in person, you know, this, this weekend. And that was like probably my favorite part. And I think that was, uh, I don't know, a great reminder for me to like, you can't do it all by yourself um, and to lean on people to, into their strengths and what they do. And I think in the, the final days of the edit, you know, we kind of, I definitely leaned on you for certain things and we knew we had to get the film done, but I was like, Chase, I'm going to have you do the color sound. Like that's what you do best. And I'll try to like finish whatever else with the film. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. It was just like 
one of the coolest things all year for me personally this past weekend. It's interesting because you started off doing it all yourself. And like as a YouTuber and like all three of us are YouTubers, like you start off having to do everything yourself and you're wearing all the hats. You're the editor, you're the director, you're the colorist, you're the filmer. And this film, when I say film, it's more of a, it's a real big project. It's not just a YouTube video. It's like a movie. It's like a movie. And in order to take your work to that next level of being quote unquote a film, working together as a team is the only way to do it. It's hard to do something on this level on your own. I've seen it being done over here, <laughs> but You're a savage it takes like years. Chase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you've got a year or two to spare, it can yeah. be done. <laughs> Also, we should we should also mention that we, you guys arrived maybe five or six days before premiere day in Salt Lake, and Chase was finishing the Baja video, yeah. like ba- final touches. Baja video premiered on Sunday, and like we got there on what Friday or Saturday? Yeah, um, had to finish the Baja video and then just roll straight into Hope and High Water and finish. Yeah, went like, Sunday. Baja went live. Wednesday was live premiere yeah. of this film. So yeah. it was crazy down to the wire. And I, I think there was, for me, I was stuck there at the end because there was, um, I feel like I had the bone structure in place, but there were some things that I didn't want to move forward on or I was maybe unsure of before mm-hmm. I ran it by you guys. And I think we did that first pass through when you guys got there, looked through what, what I had done so far, made our notes, and then basically like, all right, this is it. This is what we need to get done before the premiere. And I was super overwhelmed. Like I was, I told you guys that night I had like a panic attack. I couldn't go back to sleep like in the middle of the night. Um, I literally had a nightmare of us, of me exporting the video the day of the premiere and like running into the venue late. I was so real. I was like, no. And so that was a, such a fear. It almost happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But uh, yeah. How did you guys feel when, when you got there and you saw what we had and then what we had to do left? before the premiere um i think coming off of the schedule we were keeping working on the baja film and how stressed we were with that it was definitely stressful to arrive in salt lake and see the cut and be like oh man like we kind of have a lot to do and like we do not have a lot of time but also in a lot of ways i guess we were like already there in our heads so of like well this is how we've been working for the last week so like just keep it going yeah. you know uh, but for sure the difference between when chase and i are working on videos and when he's doing the bulk of the work with the edit um as soon as you enter a team dynamic like that which is like totally new to us with working on films there's like a comfort that is brought in when there's other people that you're relying on too. Uh, and I think it, it helped in that situation to just feel a little bit less overwhelmed and realize like, okay, we're all going to work as a team. We're going to delegate tasks and we're going to get this done. And it like, I feel like the overall, the overarching feeling was like, whatever it takes, you know, like we were all willing to do whatever it takes. And that, that really helps. Right. Cause like Amy and I are a team, but we're also so close all the time that we're kind of like a cohesive unit. Yeah. So if like, morale is getting really down for one of us. I think it's like really we're easy trying for to the, lift each other for up, the but other it can person be to like hard. fade too. Cause we're so like in tune with yeah. each other just cause yeah, I mean, yeah. been married forever with each other 24 hours a day. We live in a vehicle together. So, yeah. um, very I think, aware of like, yeah, 
emotional states and like stress levels and all that stuff it, it really like affects both of us equally in so many ways and yeah right so there's a little bit of that like if one of us is going down like this this is going down like it's just all going down mm-hmm. whereas um with a bigger team it's kind of like there's a little bit of pressure off knowing like if i get down like someone else will be there to pick up the slack and then we'll be able to trade off vice versa like yeah. if we need to instills like a little bit more confidence where even though we're two people like i said yeah it feels kind of like we're one person and it's just like still yeah. just like all on us you and know? also so like if you we know. can't figure it out like no one's figuring it out yeah. it's yeah. just not gonna we're, happen we're so used you know? to bouncing things off of each other um and then for us to be able to like feel that like moment of almost crisis where you're like i'm like i'm stuck like i'm lost i don't know where i'm going like i can't figure this out and then to be able to like walk in the other room and be like hey like what do you think about this and have a like an outside perspective was super cool uh and that helped so much i think to just like i don't know feel our way through it in a lot of ways like how is this hitting how does this feel to you like this isn't working and i mean yeah i feel like throughout the whole process that was probably my favorite part is to just sit down and be able to be so open with each other and and gain each other's perspective and just yeah riff on things and and see where it went but yeah because sometimes if you're editing solo you're just gonna you'll be stuck somewhere and you just don't know what to do and so you just sit there and nothing will get done Mm -hmm. and you won't make any progress on it but trying something and then just bringing one of you guys in be like is is this right like does this feel right no okay different direction then you have a direction to go in and then from there you you start making your way to like the right the right spot do you want to talk about what the workflow was looking like the last couple days because i felt like we were pretty good at delegating and yeah i mean i don't know it might be i feel like all of all of us can speak to the workflow because i feel like I was more like, I don't know, I don't know what the like official role would be. I wasn't doing like the physical edit, but I was like coming in, giving my opinion. We were all watching together or like you'd pull me in if Chase was doing color, or, you know, like we'd, well, we'd be switching yeah, off a little don't, bit. Don't forget that you were basically like pulling and setting up like all the assets that were being oh, edited with. True. Like <laughs> yeah. Scotty, and, Scotty was doing the edit, the primary edit, and has been for like a month and a half mm-hmm. leading up to that point. Basically like Scotty cut the whole thing into the structure that it's in. And then when we got there, it was getting passed off to me for motion graphics, color and sound. Although to be honest for the first round of it, like Scotty did most of the sound too. Like I only got to do a little bit of the stuff mm-hmm. on the sound. Um, so it's like, I'm working on selected shots. Scotty's working on the overall edit. And then like a huge bulk of what was left to edit was tons of archival footage um, from us and from Scotty. And you were pulling all that stuff off of endless hard drives and thousands and thousands of clips trying to locate what assets we need to be able to fill these gaps talking about our the history of our mm-hmm. careers and friendship, et cetera. So we were just like all three on computers nonstop just kind of like waiting on each other being like you got this ready yet like yep here it is yeah, or i dropped so that in there were so many airdrop looking? noises happening all the time <laughs> like airdropping something to scotty in his room and you hear that <laughs> like airdropping all over the place which is pretty funny uh but for me i mean like i said i think just the group like feeling of working in a group helps bring the stress level down on some level i don't know like i don't know if that's how you felt scotty but like i think for chase and i it was a huge factor and there were so many moments where like i was just sitting on your couch at your coffee table like workstation hard drive stacked up and just like (laughs) digging through all of these archival like folders of ancient photos that i haven't looked at in 
I don't even know how long. Um, and I would just get like lost in them. And then you kind of forget like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, like this film needs to be done like in a day and a half or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like off in journey on land, like, oh, look at this film photo. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like airdropping it to people. But um, yeah, I don't, it was it was really fun uh, overall, like really great experience. Yeah, and I don't know if most people who don't make films or edit films would necessarily relate to like that feeling of when you start to put those last pieces together those little gaps that are in your timeline but it's kind of like I'm, I'm sure everyone's done a puzzle before mm -hmm. but when you get to towards the end yeah, of a puzzle and really there's like, like ramping eight, up. eight pieces and they're just like oh here it is like falling into yeah. place like yes. that satisfaction of like a big area yeah. being completed you know yeah. like everything that's starts a really, to fall into the right place start yeah. to make sense and it like brings everything together because i'm sure you know scotty you were working on it for a long time and you had a bunch of things that were essentially completed but then you have these like gaps in certain areas and i'm sure it's just anxiety inducing being like still don't know like exactly yeah, how these are going to work out like I, I hope it's going to be good you know and mm -hmm. up until that point it kind of and especially coming down to the wire it feels like this film is like not complete yet you know it's hard to feel good about it but yeah. then as those like last bits start to go in it's like oh shit it's yeah. a movie now you know yeah, yeah. and there's a couple scenes i know specifically the one where we could talk a little bit about filmmaking that i cut and i liked the feeling of it and i felt like it was there like pretty close but i remember you guys watched it and you're like it just doesn't hit you know like mm -hmm. how it should and that was something that maybe if i was working on it solo i probably would probably would have just been like okay it's fine i'll move on but getting that input and then i mean it's a completely different scene like visually mm -hmm than what it was originally cut to be. And I think that added added so much impact to the scene. And it was really fun to like see a bunch of y'all's old photos and videos and put these pieces in. Because yeah, I always look at the these fishing videos like a puzzle. It's like you go out and film before you really know what the story is. So you come back with all these puzzle pieces and then you're now trying to put them in place to make something that's cohesive. And... Yeah, at the end there, it just was coming together up into the wire. Yeah. And I remember when you and I were watching it, we're just so sleep deprived at this point. It's like two hours before the event or three hours or something. Uh, we had just exported, which took way longer than we expected. And so we're watching the final pass of the final movie. Just Chase and I are just like silent. Just holding our breath, please. No mistakes. No mistakes. <laughs> yeah, not enough time to do another export if there is a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a I don't know. We got it done. I, I can't believe it. But yeah. um I think it made no it choice. like a little more nerve wracking too to like have it come down that close to the wire and then like all of a sudden we're showing it to all these people and like none of us have really had a lot of time to like sit on it, you know, like we're like, all right, like this is it. Like we're 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 going <laughs> like full steam ahead. And then like we're watching it for the third or fourth time finalized with everybody. And you're like still forming opinions on it as you keep watching it. And um that was yeah. Was yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to like explain like why wouldn't you just watch it back? But it's an hour long. Yeah. So when you're on a tight schedule trying to get something done, like an hour isn't really like time you have you know, to waste when yeah. there's still tasks that need to be done to complete it. So it's kind of hard to watch it Multiple back times. when you're screaming to the finish line like that. Like, yeah, you get it done. It's like, we don't, we don't have an hour to sit yeah. here and like yeah. watch it carefully, <laughs> you know? So yeah, that was happening in real time with the audiences. And luckily 
There's only one clip that was still in log, and, you know, in the, <laughs> in the final oh. film, you know, <laughs> only one. Yeah, but it was subtle. I didn't even yeah. catch it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was super subtle. It was a nuclear subtle. Yeah, it was a nuclear. It, it, it was. <laughs> it yeah, was it was that. Clip. It was that Prairie Hoppers clip on the R5. Yeah. One of me filming. It was yeah. stuck in the middle of a bunch of archival photos, which didn't need a grade on them because they're already edited photos. So I was like, oh, here's a big section I don't need to grade and just like moved past it without even like looking through each one of them. I didn't know there was like a video clip in there that was in log. Like, I saw that live, but I don't know if anyone else noticed, but that's fixed now. Yeah. Yeah. What was uh, what was it like for you guys to to when we did finally show it for the first time in Salt Lake and to to to, sh- to watch it with with everyone like what was that experience like it was kind of intense i think both jace and i like looked at each other a whole bunch throughout it just like making faces at each other you know just like oh like oh well, like people didn't laugh at that like that was weird or like oh like this was you know people thought this was really funny but um like for me through most of the film i was like actually physically shaking i was so nervous uh, which i didn't really expect i don't know what i expected but the reality like when when it was like all right like turn the lights off and like it, the film's gonna start and you kind of remember oh yeah like we're here for a film premiere like all these people are about to watch this film that we made and like we're gonna hear their responses like real time like they're gonna give us feedback while they're watching it and you don't get that when you're watching something on youtube i mean you you premiere something and you can interact with people through text and you know typing back and forth to each other and that's really nice in a premiere, but then you just see numbers and people watching it and you see some comments and, you know, for however many hundreds of people that have watched it, you get like a comment. Um, so the feedback is just a little bit different and just the way people interact with you online compared to in person is so different too. But, you know, there was an overwhelming feeling of just like love and support from everyone there. That was pretty overwhelming and special. Yeah. It's kind of hard it's hard to explain, but I think as creatives and as artists, you have to be tremendously vulnerable to make meaningful work. Um, and I think that's, you know, even more true with films like these that are personal stories that are, you know, obviously you have to be vulnerable because you're talking about yourself, but even if it wasn't a film about ourselves, even if we're telling a story about someone else, um, the creative process involves, really opening yourself up and being vulnerable. So showing a film like that on stage, it kind of feels like an hour, like you're standing on stage naked for an hour or something. Like you can't really like disconnect from the work. It's not like, um, yeah, it's you up there. Very, very vulnerable parts of you, which to people who maybe don't have a, a creative process like that, that might not make a lot of sense, but, or it might be hard to relate to, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's that's the the toughest thing because you do want it to be real and you want to share like you're saying a personal story, but it can be tricky because you you're like putting yourself out there and you're kind of just like are they going to laugh? Are they not? Like there were certain points in yeah. the film where people straight up just didn't laugh at the joke and we're like, "Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. That didn't hit." Yeah. yeah. But there's other parts where we didn't expect a laugh and someone laughed. Yeah. Um but I think it was really interesting to get that real time feedback. And now before we launch it on, you know, to through the paywall to everybody to see it, I think there'll be a few things that we tweak, nothing major, but just a few things that we got real time feedback that helped us 
make the film better, which is like a stand-up comedian who's going up doing, you know, small bars or whatever, open mics to test out jokes, to feel the crowd out and see how they hit and don't hit. So that was like a completely new experience for me. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird balance because filmmaking, art of any kind, is just like intensely personal practice. But at the same time, it's media meant to be viewed. So it can't really exist in a vacuum. The, the end goal is for audience consumption. So the way an audience consumes something at the end of the day is kind of one of the most important factors. I'd like to say that it's like, nope, it's like the artist decides what the work is and like you trust your instincts and if people don't like it, like they're stupid or whatever, you know, but that's not really true. Like we're making films for an audience. So at the end of the day, no matter how much we may have loved a certain scene or whatever, if it doesn't, if it doesn't connect with audiences then it, it's worthless, you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Cause we all experienced it in our own way. And out there when we're fishing and going through hope and high water and to be able to take what we experience and capture it and present it in a way for other people to be able to share that same experience is, is the hard part. That's the, that's the barrier we're trying to breach is how do we take what we've done and allow other people to experience it through our eyes, through the camera's eyes and, through editing and, and the whole filmmaking process and, and, and experience the same emotions that we were actually feeling on the water doing what we were doing. Yeah. You're connecting two worlds. Right. And it's, and it's tricky too. It's a fine line. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of all instinctual about when the artist's perspective is the most important and when the audience's perspective is the most important. I don't know if there's any like hard and fast rules about, like just play only to like what audiences like, you know, cause that's not the rest, you know, what makes films or any other type of artistic practice interesting is the perspective of the artist, which is unique. The general public doesn't have that perspective. That's why we need artists. Um, so I don't want to say that it's just like, you know, if audiences don't like something then it's a bad idea cause you know, some of the greatest works of all time weren't received well in their time. You know, it, it is important for artists to trust their own instincts, et cetera, but it is sort of this dance between the artist and the, and the audience to sort of like refine and, and find that happy ground or middle ground, happy medium, clear clean, sailing, clean, clean sailing, sailing. Clean sailing. <laughs> and small short windows, <laughs> short windows, clean sailing, you know, yeah, for phrase. the audience, when they watch our film, let us know what you think about the phrase clean sailing. Yeah. <laughs> Just go watch it. Yeah. Wild-fly.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought the mo- one of the most gratifying things was, and I'd like you guys to speak on this too, especially in the Denver event, but was interacting with the fans and getting to hear like them looking you in the eye and just like, they couldn't believe that you were in front of them and they were just so loving and supportive of the work and you can really hear how it impacted them. I even had a guy at the end of the film yesterday in Denver or here at the Denver show. He was like a pretty introverted guy and he came up to me and you could tell he was a little nervous, probably like mid forties guy. And um, he's like, Hey man, I'm pretty introverted. This is really hard for me to even come to this event, but I just wanted to say how much like, you sharing like some of your vulnerability and just some of the things you're going through on, on your films has just helped me. And like, he was like about to tear up and I was about to tear up. And I was like, Oh my gosh, dude. But I think it, 
it made me realize just how much it it does mean to people and can can art can really impact people um especially if you you don't try to put this shield up and you just kind of you share who you are what things you're going through keep it real because more often than not other people are going through the same kind of things and i felt like i received not to that extent but a lot of comments and um feedback from from folks who came that felt a similar way um that was i don't know but what would you guys think it was it was pretty overwhelming like it was i didn't move at the denver event people just there was a line it was crazy <laughs> yeah yeah i agree it, it was pretty overwhelming um and tremendously gratifying too um it makes a lot of the minor stresses seem or shows how minor they are at the end of the day and how lucky we are to be able to do what we're doing and to also have this relationship with all these people, you know, this like outpouring of, of love and support that, um, yeah, what a privilege to be able to like have this huge community of people, um, backing what you're doing. It's like, yeah, I feel really lucky, I think. What about you? <laughs> Can you tell how tired I am? Yeah, we're, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, we're all pretty I'm getting, wiped. I'm getting like really lost over here just like thinking about all, all the memories and just like, yeah, that's nice. Start dreaming. <laughs> Amy's going to be asleep by the end um, of this. <laughs> yeah, man, you might have to cut some of this. You might have to cut to the to the good stuff. We just, we took a little break mid-answer to grab some decaf coffee. I got, little, I got caffeinated. You got coffee. caffeinated. You got caffeinated. Sissies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will has had both a downer and an upper now. He's had a beer and now he's got a caffeinated coffee. Yeah. Tell us about the yeah, beer. Cameraman speedball, dude. Do we have the beer show? <laughs> the camera? So we have a, I think a 6.8% IPA. So I'm about 6.8% turnt right now. Just so y'all know <laughs> where we're at. <laughs> Label was created specifically for, and the beer I think was brewed specifically Correct. for this film release. So it is a fully customized Hope and High Water hazy, obviously. <laughs> Got to be hazy. had to be hazy. Did I, you see the water in the film? Uh, yeah, exactly. I yeah, I don't. I don't think that the beer was brewed with any particular um, intention re regarding the. It's not like you know, local like Western Wyoming ingredients or something. It's not themed in that way, but it is a, an original beer that um, it's not just a, another beer that they make with new labeling on it. It can only get this beer with this labeling. It's it's cool though. Those little touches, I think made the event really special mm -hmm. to have a beer that was designed specifically for the night for people to come and be like, Whoa. And it's, I feel like people were stoked about it too. Oh, yeah. There's so many photos on Instagram, people tagging us and definitely helps. Shows that the beer was tasty too yeah has, oh, yeah, has to be great good beer. has to be good <laughs> exactly very drinkable but we were mid-question where we were talking about the experience of meeting fans and uh what that was like for everybody yeah i'm i, I was kind of trailing off uh before but i i guess it's really profound um an experience to to be able to look people in the eyes and have them express how much they enjoy your work or what it means to them or whatever, especially, you know, we've been going in this direction for decades now, but particularly post COVID um, our lives are so much online. And for us as um, 
filmmakers or artists who primarily exhibit our work online, almost all of our feedback comes through a screen. And although it's real people and you can read people's expressive writing, you don't really have any idea what they're actually. I mean, I could sit here and draft with a straight face, you know, a gushing review of something that like, I don't even care about, you know, <laughs> you know, so while it certainly has an impact reading people say nice things or say mean things about you, um, being able to see someone's facial expression and their body language and to be able to like touch and embrace that person, you know, um, yeah, it's really, really impactful for me anyway, as, as a filmmaker in a way that nothing else is. And we get to do so little of that these days, um, making videos on, YouTube where there's always kind of a barrier between you and your audience. So, um, you know, traditionally this would have been like the primary way that you would exhibit stuff would be to live audiences. I guess, you know, film tours the country, you can't be present at every showing, but it used to be a much more common experience that now we don't get that much. And you can kind of trick yourself into thinking that it's not that important, but I think it's incredibly important. Um, so it was really, really nice to get to have that, even if it was just for two showings. I'm looking forward to the next time we get to do that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what was it like for you, dude? <laughs> Back to go. Will. There we go. <laughs> That's what I need, Scotty. <laughs> That's go what I need. The, go doing the Q&A. I need right, to get a few think, more well? sips in. I need to get a few right, more yeah, because I, I was asking you, Will, if you'd ever had live showings like this before with like snowboard videos or whatever, and you said like you've had a couple opportunities with the Film Fest to like be up on stage um, with a film that you were part of, but probably nothing that you were like this intimately familiar with. And plus... This is an audience that's here just for us. And that, you know, a big part of that includes you too. Like the, you know, our three combined YouTube audiences. It's not like a a festival where there's people who could be there for particular filmmakers or they're just there to see fishing films and they know they're gonna get a variety of it. Like everyone who was there was there just to see a film that the three of us made. So like they're stoked to see us. Like that's the reason they came out. You know, it's yeah. different. It separated this event from everything else that I've been a part of and been present at because most film festivals and film tours involve a number of films. Most of them are cut down from their original length to meet the specifications for that festival, you know, festival cut. And it, it, it really is a totally different experience when it's just our film, especially, you know, it's, it's a long enough film to satisfy an audience for being there. Um, just for this film and and you know if it, we had a whole film tour with 50 to hour 50 minute to hour long films you know you'd be there all day it would be a day long event <clears throat> so it's special to be able to show a film of that length to an audience and not have to just like cut your film down just to be a part of something but then you're there you are the something your film your new creation is the whole reason everyone's there because in the film tour, um, I think my the first project I was involved in that was in like a legit film, this is or film tour. This is the fly fishing film tour back in 2019, I think. I think it was 2019, and um, at that point in my career, I was very early on. I was just one of the three or four camera guys on the film crew, and so that really dulled down my position of being a part of it to like something very small, but it still felt like a big moment to me. It felt like I was breaking barriers into a new realm in my filmmaking career to be up on stage with my mentors and people that I looked up to. And, you know, we all went up there and we're like, you know, the crowd cheered and like, yeah, these are the people here. These are the filmmakers. And the, I looked around the people next to me were all people that I looked up to before I even started fly fishing and getting into filmmaking 
it was originally what kind of got me into the sport was seeing these people's work. And I didn't know anything about any of it. And I was just a total noob. And now here I was standing next to them. So that was a crazy moment and definitely a milestone in my career. And that was definitely a realization point of like, wow, I can do this. Like, this is something maybe I should be doing and continue to pursue. So it gave me just enough courage to continue on the path. And of course, here we are five years later, four years later, five years later. I'm bad at math. One of them. That's why I'm not a mathematician or an engineer. Masa menace. Yeah, you're close. <laughs> Masa menace. <laughs> but five years later, four years later, we're here. And now it's it, we've kind of taken it to the next level. And, you know, feeling that progression as a filmmaker is why I chose this career in the first place is because, you know, stand, that first time standing on stage and feeling going from knowing nothing about fly fishing or filmmaking to actually progressing to a point where like now our work is being showcased to a crowd and you know here we are a few years later now just this piece that we're all working on is here the whole crowd is here just for this not just one little film you're one of those guys now you're one of those guys that you were looking up to now there's kids in the crowd looking up at you you know hoping one day they'll be on stage with you exactly and you know walking around and conversing with people um who were looking up to us all of us and are there to to support us was just you know it was, it was kind of like looking in a mirror in a lot of ways because some of the people that we're talking to might be the next up and coming filmmakers and fly fishing superstars yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah i'm not saying they were fly fishing superstars i just said that because it's funny yeah. but <laughs> no they're gonna be the superstars they're gonna yeah. be the superstars and then we're gonna be filming them we're going to be the old heads. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> you know, something that definitely would not have happened at the fly fishing film fest, uh, 250 people would not have sang you happy birthday. Probably. <laughs> yeah. That was sweet. Dude. Yeah. That was special. That was special. So thank you everyone. Y'all have beautiful voices and those cupcakes were amazing. Yes. So yeah, that really, that, that was the icing on the cake pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh Yeah. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah, I feel like there's there's still a lot that I'm processing from both events. Um, but there was a couple moments that really stood out, and there's one it's from Salt Lake. Obviously, first premiere, you don't really know like exactly how it's gonna go. Also, like Salt Lake to Denver, just like very different in a lot of ways. But when we had our intermission after showing the film, I I went to the bathroom. And I was one of the earlier ones in there. So I came out of the stall in the women's room and there was a line of ladies waiting to use the bathroom. And the response to me walking out and all of these women just being so excited and being like, wow, like that was incredible. And hearing feedback just from all these women lined up to use the bathroom. <laughs> it was, you know, because I think that as a female, um, it's a little scary for me to be really vulnerable and and show a lot of myself in these films and this one was pretty vulnerable in a lot of ways. And, um, the bathroom felt like this little safe space. Cause you know, there's plenty of, of ladies that came up to me to talk to me at the premiere, but still not even close to how many guys would come up and talk to us. And I think there's still a little bit of that, like uncomfortable minority vulnerability, like not as comfortable coming up and talking to people. And, um, that was a really cool experience for me to, to like, have all this camaraderie from a bunch of females who were anglers and who were not anglers and who weren't familiar with tight loops or were familiar. And, um, I think that moment will stick with me for a long time. That was like a real heartwarming 
piece for me. Yeah. You probably get an even more like distilled experience than we do often um, because there is so much less representation for women that probably like what it means to the people to see you doing what you're doing probably means even more to them than what it does to the average folks looking up to us. Um, I'm not sure quite exactly how to phrase that, but like Mm -hmm. to the young ladies who um, your representation in these films and your lifestyle and whatever, like what it means to them probably almost means more than it does to like the young men who look up to us. Cause they've got a lot of figures yeah. like that to look up to. We're not, you know, yeah. the only gig in town. Uh, it's in something I, I don't think about that often. Um, but certainly being in person, you know, like the two younger girls that were at the Salt Lake event that took a photo with me and I commented to them, like, it's so cool to see like, two young ladies here like that are stoked on fly fishing and have so much ahead of them and and to, it was just such a cool feeling for me as a woman to to see such an age range of like young girls to like you know f- ladies who were significantly older than me and just there's a, a a real sense of support um that came from that that was really special yeah getting to see you on screen could change not only the way people view the world but how they view themselves you know which certainly can happen for us too but maybe not as as commonly you know we we inspire people to want to do certain things but you you might be inspiring people to like look at themselves differently and value themselves differently and know that they can do certain things yeah i I think it probably gives them a lot of confidence too yeah to see you up there just like getting after it doing your thing you know and like sharing some of your story of getting into fly fishing and not being like, I don't really know what this thing yeah. is. And then what you've taken out of it. Cause I think, I mean, we met plenty of couples who they were dragged by their, their, you know, husband or boyfriend or whatever. And they were like kind of into it. They maybe have gone, but it was probably cool on a more human level to relate to some of what you were saying mm-hmm. and what you shared in the film aside from just like, Oh, she's going fly fishing you know some of your perspectives and everything so i did yeah, think I mean, it was cool having seeing so many girls there because yeah. our eight percent female audience is not very strong <laughs> yeah. on youtube but they yeah. certainly showed out for sure yeah yeah i mean i i shouldn't even be speaking to this because i have i have no business talking about like the female experience but it but I assume I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that see that was my impression from watching some of the women interact with you. Is that like it meant a great deal to them? You know? Yeah, I mean, it meant cool. it meant a lot to me too. Like I said, it's not something I I think about all that often. Like, yeah, they're they're just representation and seeing someone that looks like you, or you know, it it has a huge impact across a lot of different things, and um, it was a, a good reminder and just. Yeah, an incredible experience to be able to share that with so many people in person, face to face, to have people come up to you and and talk to you about things that they've seen in your videos and 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 how much it's meant to them or how it's turned them onto this or um, that's yeah yeah it's, it's just like these two thing. two sides of the experience you know we have our own intensely personal experience with making something um, where the end outcome is like what is, how does this make me feel? You know, what is my sense of accomplishment with my work or satisfaction with my work, et cetera. But then there's this whole other life of what it means to other people, 
you know, um, which we don't get to see, um, except for, you know, on nights like that's in Salt Lake or Denver, mm-hmm. where you can see it in someone's eyes that like, this has had an effect, a profound effect on them. There's two completely different lives that these projects have, you know, there's like the little insulated world of our own. We're like, they have big effects on our lives working on these projects, personal effects on our lives, but then they go out and they have this domino, uh, sort of butterfly effect to all these other people. Um, yeah. Cool to get I think to see. That might be the coolest thing too, is like you were saying with your film tour moment, it's, we all got into this in some form or fashion of watching fly fishing films or fishing films to get ex- like stoked. Right. That was like what hooked mm-hmm. us in and also probably inspired us to start making films. And so to be now on the other side of that, where there's people coming in who have told you, Oh dude, I got into filmmaking. Or I just bought a GoPro. Like, you're planting these seeds you don't even know are happening just mm-hmm. by chasing after something and, and trying to better your craft and tell better stories. And it has a ripple effect, you know, so you're making a positive impact and it's, it's hard to, to conceptualize that or understand that until you actually are staring face to face and you can tell this person has had a, actually been impacted by what you do. And you're like, Oh wow, this is real. And it was also really cool that the people there were there for our film. And it wasn't like some industry event where there's just a bunch of industry heads and guides and stuff. They were just like, Oh, I just got to go to this thing to like mingle and network. Like people were there because they wanted to see it and wanted to, to be around us. And they were so appreciative of the event. So many people thanked me for like, Doing right it. which is so weird it's like no like thanks yeah, for coming thank yeah guys because it, yeah. it just feels weird even to charge for tickets you know mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of costs for this yeah. product this whole thing to happen so the, the tickets you obviously were providing an experience so we do charge but there's just a little bit of like feeling guilty or it just feels weird to like ask for money but people are so happy to support so that kind of helped flip that on, on my end too it's like yeah. oh we shouldn't feel so bad people want to help they want to be a part of this journey with us yeah, and celebrate it together. You know, without them, this, without them, this wouldn't be possible. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. And I was seeing that the whole time. Um, you know, if, if none of those people decided to show up, if we wouldn't have had an event at all. Yeah. So it's because of everyone here watching you guys. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And you, and you, and yeah. you. And a, a lot off of that, that goes back kind of into how we wanted to release this, you know, a little differently than we've done in the past through a paywall. Essentially, I'm sure we'll we can go into this, but we're, we're releasing it through a pay what you think is fair model. Just get into it, Scotty. Yeah. Get just, into just it. Just rip right Shameless into plug. it. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as a, you know, I think we look at this film as like a real movie and we put a lot into this and, you know, I've never charged for a YouTube video. I put, 200 plus videos out on YouTube for free. And I wanted to have a project where we really went all in on it. We got the best team we could together. We put all the best resources into it and made something that was, you know, movie like something you could go watch the theater or could compete with Netflix. And I think we accomplished that. I feel like we accomplished that. Mm -hmm. And so I think through this model, people will be able to support the film. You can pay anywhere from a dollar up to whatever you want, whatever you feel is a fair donation for this film and that will you know allow us to not only this was a completely self-funded project for one but it'll help fund 
the project that we we shot and all the expenses, but also help fund future projects that we do together um, so we can continue to elevate it. So this gives the audience a chance to be a part of that as well. You know, maybe some people don't care to buy merch all the time, but they want to support this way. And so I thought it'd be a fun way, fun experiment to see if people would watch it and get to see it. And we'll see. I guess people listening now can go watch it now. And yep. we'll see. We hope we hope you guys <laughs> pay and we hope it's worth worth, uh, you know, however much you donate. But yeah. Should be cool. Scotty needs a new vehicle, guys. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, that's true. Though. This is an experiment to see it's, it's how to make quickly more movies, we but... can get Scotty a new vehicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want to make more films, but really we got to get some wheels for this kid. <laughs> you should see the pilot. Guys, yeah. I just want to be able to make the ski resorts. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, obviously I think any, any audience watching or listening to this knows that, yeah. It's not lifestyles of the rich and the famous over here. You know, we just want to keep making movies. You know? Yeah. I think it's fun to experiment and see what proves to be sustainable for us. It, it puts the power in all the people's hands to like really push for more of what they want to see too, like longer form collaborative projects, um, pay what you think is fair, paywalls like this still make it accessible to most people. You know, if you think about like you can pay a dollar if you, if that's what you need to to pay and for other people who feel like they can donate more it's it's a great way to to take some of that power and really like show us what what you want to see more of so yeah i'm very I, excited to see what the response is yeah value for everyone isn't necessarily in things um some people value the experience of being able to watch a film or to see us succeed or you know whatever that they're happy to they might not want a bunch of shirts mm-hmm. or whatever you know they don't care about shirts or prints or hoodies or whatever, but they want to have a way to be able to support us financially or whatever. So this is a great opportunity to do that. Um, it's not always easy to like create a platform where people can just like toss money if they want to toss money. And there's also no pressure to toss money if you don't want to toss money. But and I think what we're trying to provide too is an experience for the audience that is elevated from the films or continue to elevate it from the films that we've already made to continue providing that experience at a, at a high production value and the best storytelling we, we can. Yeah. Cause that's the thing at the end of the day, like you could make videos for free, but they're not going to be like this one. You yeah. know, like you just don't, it's simple, simple math about like how much time and resources you have to produce something. So the, the higher quality something gets, which I think is a net benefit to the audience. It just takes more resources, more time, more money. And yeah, with stuff like this that we're self-funding when you say self-funding, you're kind of saying like audience funded, you know what I mean? I mean, we only have so much money to spend on it and you can do that once or twice. You can float it and hope that an audience will respond on the other end and help support it. But if you can only do that a couple of times, if it <laughs> falls flat before you don't have any more self self funds to fund a project, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we'll see how this goes. I think, I think we're all anticipating that it'll go well just based on the reaction and audience support so far. I think people are pretty, pretty generous and, and giving and it's just cool for people to be involved in that way it yeah. makes you a part of the team and know? we want to be able to give back too and uh be able to give True. resources back to initiatives that are based in the area that we were fishing in and in the west i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about western native trout initiative 
you're probably the most familiar with with the kind of work that they're doing, but we are going to be donating a certain amount of proceeds from the paywall back to the Western Native Trout Initiative, which I think brings everything kind of full circle for us to be able to give back to that to that resource. And- yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll keep it short and sweet, but Winty or Western Native Trout Initiative is a um, conservation organization, um, nationally based conservation organization that does uh, conservation, habitat, restoration work um, all across the Western United States, preserving native fish species, primarily, you know, as the name implies, trout, salmonid species, um, which this film was highlighting a native trout species. So, um, yeah, you know, it's easy for us to make films that are, how do I put this? We're utilizing a resource, um, a resource that is, um, delicate and sorry guys. I'm going into the grizzly maze. <laughs> he's, he's lost. Amy, help me out. Immediately started talking about. I was trying. Okay, no, no, I got it. I got. Yeah. It. I, was, I, was, I was trying to find the words for it. It, it is a, um, it is a non-renewable resource. It's a delicate I mean, resource. In, in, yeah. in one sense, it's renewable it in that respect and care. Yeah, fish continue to reproduce, etc. But it, it is ultimately a, a, a non-renewable resource in terms of consumptive uh, use of it and even catch and release fishing is still consumptive to a degree. So we're trying to offset our impact in that way by helping to provide monies to um, conservation organizations who help preserve and conserve and, and make sure that that resource can be renewable um, in the future. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, we don't know exactly what the number is yet that we're going to uh, donate because it largely depends on what the overall numbers are period. It's hard to say like, we're going to donate, you know, X number of thousands of dollars and we don't even make that much money to be able to donate. So, um, yeah, it'll be a a sliding scale depending on how well the project does, but it was really important for us to, to, um, provide a percentage of that to give back to the resource that gives us so much because our careers ultimately depend on it. Uh, I can't make fishing films without fish. So, yeah, I think this trip overall to really open my eyes to, uh, I mean, what we talk about in, in the film about just the introduction of invasive species to the West. And obviously there's no way for us to go back in time. People are in a completely different world than they're sort of trying to survive. They're trying to feed themselves or whatever. But it is very interesting when you look at our human impact on these places and like this area we went in particular, the first day, you know, we get there and we hook into a brook trout first fish and we're like well this is supposed to be a native yellowstone cutthroat one of the last strongholds of where yellowstone pure yellowstone cutthroat that have existed for millions of years or whatever but we hook into a you know brookie that's been introduced mm-hmm. and they're all over the place you know and so it's really opened my eyes to i've always been a fan of native species but i think it really hit me more so in this trip and hearing how much it means to you guys and watching for wild sake and learning more about the history of these different places. So I think that's also why it meant so much for us to, to donate some of these proceeds back to Winty, which is doing a lot of work on the ground to protect and a lot of these native species. Yeah, it's cool. And you could tell that, you know, the conservation themes that we brought up in this film were resonating with audiences. I didn't, I don't know about you, but I had a number of people come up to me during our sort of, you know, social mingling at these events and say, 
how grateful they were for that type of messaging and how important those issues were to them also. And how glad they were to see them represented in the film. We had people in the Q and a asking conservation best based questions, mm -hmm. um, around the film, et cetera. So, um, it, it's clearly people are, are interested in that stuff and they're, and they're glad to see it in fishing films. Um, because I think largely, obviously, in the last five years, native fish are really, and conservation is having like a real moment, you know, in, in the space. It's more in vogue now than it ever has been. But traditionally, fishing films are mostly just about catching fish. Um, and I think people either didn't care to speak on these issues or felt that talking about them was, you know, bringing down the mood or something of a good old fashioned. Because fishing, for most people, is supposed to be fun. And sometimes when you start thinking about declining fisheries, et cetera, it's not a very fun thing to think about. So people don't want to talk about it that much, but it's whether we want to think about it or not, it's a reality that we live in. So, um, I think people are kind of sick of that and they're happy to see people addressing it head on and, and talking about it, if nothing else, you know, um, because as we alluded to in one of the Q and a sessions, um, someone was asking us what we thought about the sort of sustainability of the future of, of fisheries with, uh, increased angling days and angler numbers, et cetera, was, you know, the sort of big takeaway that I was trying to express uh, to the person who asked the question was that at the end of the day, like more people, more educated anglers in the water, I think is a net positive for fish because it's just stewards, future stewards who care, whatever the motivation is, you know, maybe on the one hand, if you're just a wildlife advocate, you'd be like, I, I want people to care about fish who don't want to hook them. <laughs> you know, like I want people who just care about fish for fish. But at the end of the day to the species, it doesn't matter why you care about the fish. As long as you care about them and you're invested in seeing more of them in the future, um, it's going to achieve the same goal that everyone in conservation is looking towards, you know, which is just better habitat, more fish thriving. Um, and anglers are tremendously important advocates for fish. So well said. Yeah, strong. Strong bites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was your takeaway, Will, like filming and documenting this process? Because especially with interviews and just talking and with Chase and Amy and all of us about the native species and everything, what was what was it like on your end? Yeah, that's that was really cool getting to hear in person and ask actually ask y'all interview questions about native fish and a lot of the topics that you touch on in most of your other work and incorporated into this project. Cause I feel like for me, from a filmmaking perspective, I definitely wanted to include a lot of similarities from other work that you've put out and incorporate that in this film, like the super eight stuff, of course. And like that inspired me to bring the super eight. It's like, Oh yeah, I have to bring my super eight. Nailed it. If, too. If we're going to be filming with tight loops. Like, you know, <laughs> and and yeah, I think that was definitely something going into this project. I knew I, that we had to touch on and that it would be a big part of it. Of course, it couldn't be the only thing. We had to include some Scotty style too, some dangling. <laughs> I'm just a dangler. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, going into this project, I think it was in, uh, important to highlight everyone's style and, and bring in, you know, the full encompassing experience of wildfly and tight loops not just tight loops not just wildfly mm -hmm. and wild loops on the fly wild loops on the fly and i think we phly phly <laughs> that's correct and i think we did that for sure and it was really cool 
trying to encompass all of those things in one project. So, you know, that was really, that was exciting. And also, yeah, going back to the native fish talk, um, being out in the field and actually being on the water with you guys and, and hearing the facts in real, in real time was pretty cool and trying to capture that on camera. Um, it's not always easy trying to capture the audio when it's actually happening and Scotty catches his first brick shot and you guys are all talking about it. Um, yeah, I think that was, it kind of just happened naturally. I didn't really have to force anything from a cameraman perspective, but like, Hey, talk about this, talk about the native fish, talk about this and that. Like you guys all, it's, it's just, it's just ingrained in, in what you do and how you go about your fishing experience. Um, it's a big part of it. You know, it's, we're not just trying to go catch a big thermop rainbow or Brown, you thermop, know, baby. It, yeah. If we were fishing, with someone else like yeah maybe we'd want to go catch a big fish and that would be the biggest part of the film is like yeah let's let's go catch this big fish like sometimes some people are all about that but i know you guys aren't all about that and that's none of our goal was to just go out and catch a giant fish you know the goal was to catch native yellowstone cutthroat so that was just something that came along naturally from the filmmaking process i don't think we need yeah it's kind of interesting that that contrast so when this film wrapped um, I think we were like a day ahead of schedule, um, or something because, um, as you'll see in the film, some weather, uh, kind of shut things down early and we had this extra day. So we were near the town of Thermopolis in Wyoming and there's uh, a handful of kind of famous fisheries there with some big fish. And we went and camped and, and fished this sort of tailwater fishery for can't believe your spot spot burning guys it's a sacred you, place you guys i have not said the name of this river all right Near we've, Theropolis, <laughs> we've already mean. said thermop all right <laughs> <laughs> people can figure it out Keep the um, um but yeah we're fishing just sort of standard tailwater western fishery you know there's a million rivers like this all over the u.s you don't have to go to thermopolis to find this kind of fishing um Deckers. yeah yeah but uh um we went and caught some of these kind of big chewed up finned stalker fish. And like, it's very exciting. You know, we're all having a good time. We're like, I, I would just Amy like to say, Amy I didn't, didn't fish, fish for these fish. Amy's way too cool. Love <laughs> it. But you know, like we were hooting and hollering and like kind of laughing about these, like, you know, mutant stalker fish that we were catching or whatever. It was a lot of fun, you know, it's fun, fun fishing, yeah. but the experience um, is so different, even though it's gratifying to like, sight fish a big rainbow or something and get it to take a dry fly and, and get it in the net and gets just 20 inch fish or whatever i feel like the lasting experience of that just like immediately disappears after releasing the fish all you're left you with know? is Agreed. the mutant thermop right right and yeah. like yeah we're still talking what about sticks with you is their mutant quality we're, we're still talking about the experience probably because of like how stark that contrast was um between uh fishing for this native beautiful perfect fish in this grand landscape and knowing that that fish has been there for tens of thousands of years um, exactly where it's supposed to be it looks like it's supposed to be there because that's where it, you know it's just so so different than from being below some big dam in some warm water with yeah tank scrubber fish or whatever and it's not to say that the fishing is any less fun from just a fishing perspective but that sort of connectivity to your environment and that sort of holistic experience i mean there's just like no comparison and it was a very funny contrast to go from mm -hmm. one to the other afterwards you know that was awesome yeah it was yeah. fun i'm glad we you, well, like, you guys are all together. stoked when you came back though. like <laughs> yes <laughs> so you know well and because at the end of the day you know like those rivers are never 
they're never going to become native fish rivers yeah. ever again. The the habitat they have their their place is too degraded. That. It's too big. It's too complex. As of now, we don't have any conservation tools that will ever turn like the main stem Montana rivers. You know, the Madison will never become a West Slope cutthroat fishery ever again. You know, there's just no. We don't have we don't have the tools to reverse that stuff. So um, while it's certainly important to highlight um, the conservation of native fish where it's possible and the places where it's not, like I think it's still okay to just have like guilt-free fun fishing and a resource that like, you know, is only the, the resource is what it is at this mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah. yeah. It's an arena for fishing basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like you highlighted in the film, you know, you have a strong point about just, we were looking for a wild experience in a wild place. And what comes with that is, you know, a lot of times like unexpected weather, wild conditions, unplanned conditions it's not like oh what's the cfs at the dam today oh it's you know it's running the same as it has every day or whatever yeah you know is we literally i'm not gonna say it but um just the the fluctuation of the water was so wild right and how we were able to be there for the amount of time to see it go up and down and see when the rain would come in and see the like real-time impact like well we can't do anything about it it's just we just have to wait. It's such a different pace. I think it's a much more natural human pace than sort of like fish on demand or anything on demand that we're used to now. Pull up your phone, anything you want. It's right there. You know, to be in this situation where like, well, I have to wait. Like there is nothing I can do here. I think, you know, not everyone has the time uh, in their lives to just sort of sit around for a week on the weather. But I do find those experiences um, quite enjoyable to sort of like set your own human pace to the pace of the outside world. And obviously I think that that feels very natural because for the vast majority of humans existence on earth, that was the only way that we were able to live. Um, we're very disconnected from those, uh, rhythms now. So it's, it's nice to be able to be able to make the time to be more connected to that. Even if initially it's frustrating because you think that you have limited time and you don't have time to be sitting around. Um, I think it does the human spirit good, to sort of align yourself with natural rhythms like that. Even if they're not conducive to good fishing at first, you know, like, yeah, important human experience. I think. I feel like that's partially why we all seek out backcountry trips. Like whether it's a bike pack, a backpack, a canoe trip is because it's, you don't have those normal wild experiences anymore on a day to day basis. You really have to work hard now to like seek them out to put yourself in the elements of like, us being up on the ridge line of a, you know, a, a mountain with our bikes getting annihilated by mosquitoes and then lugging our, slugging our way to camp and finally like setting up a fire. And, and like, that's like the best thing of your day. Mm-hmm. Like those things are so underappreciated, appreciated from a wide angle, unless you're actually in that moment or getting shat on with rain for however long. And you're just sitting in your tent or your camper, you know, you just, I don't know. I thought it was just, besides the fishing, it was overall very net positive in terms of the life experience and for all of us just getting to hang. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like it's human instinct to want to sort of like coddle ourselves and make comfortable, controlled environments, but our bodies and our brains were designed to deal with a a great uh, deal of adversity um, and variety like that. I mean, that's how we became what we are. So, um, I think we do kind of crave it a little bit as weird. It's like, we're fighting against our, against our better interests by insulating ourselves 
the way we are. I mean, to a degree, right? And you know, a couple hundred years ago, you probably max life expectancy was like 35 because yeah. you know, you were out in the elements all the time and life was hard. Yeah. Life is, you know, ostensibly much better now. Um, but at the same time, yeah, we're almost swinging a little bit too far, uh, away. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's how I feel about it anyway. Yeah. Teach, teach their own. There's no, you don't have to go bike packing for native fish to enjoy your life but yeah it's incredibly incredibly <laughs> no meaning incredibly mean, yeah. incredibly meaningful and impactful to to us anyway i suggest everyone at least give it a shot yeah just doing hard things i think that's like a lesson we've all learned just makes just it's more fulfilling um but going back to the events what was what was y'all's favorite part about the events. I know we had two and you just got to see the Denver one, but what, what like really stood out to you? And that was the best part. Oh gosh. I, I was like about to say what I thought the best part was, but then I was like, Oh my gosh, but I feel like there's like three or four things that really stand out to me. Um, the first thing that came, popped into my mind though, is like hearing someone laugh at something when you expect them to like, like they're, they're understanding and they're feeling the same thing that like you were trying to get across. Um, it, yeah, it feels like you're like, you're, I mean, you're you're literally sitting in a room of of people who are kind of strangers, but kind of friends, and you're all laughing at the same thing. And there's just like a camaraderie that comes with that. Um, that was really special. It makes you feel really good, like in here. Um, but definitely being able to interact and talk to so many people. Um, I think for Chase and I, as like relatively introverted folks, it's socially challenging to like put yourself out there and be in that setting and and be talking to so many people, but you walk away from that experience with your cup so full. Like it's just an outpouring of support that is hard to put into words, but it really like motivates you to keep making and keep doing and keep sharing it with people. Yeah. I I imagine all of our favorite things are going to be some version of, you know, the human connection of the live events, which is really the strong suit of it. You know, yeah. uh, maybe you'd think that like our favorite thing would be just like successfully like completing a film and like having people cheer at the end. But like that didn't really, that wasn't really like the, the major impact, at least for me. And I, I assume obviously that's pretty much what Amy said. And I assume it's probably true for you guys too. It's just the ability to yeah have face to face connection with um, people who you may never have met before, but you have this like long history with because they've been um, following along with your work. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed, you know, the Q and A's where people could speak to us directly like that. Um, it was fun hearing, um, what cool and like great questions people had to ask about us and about our work. And it was cool having people ask stuff about the film and this project and how interested they were in, um, what goes into making a project, et cetera. But then also to have people bring up like deep cuts from a decade ago, you know, asking us about our our videos (laughs) or something in our personal lives. People asking about like film photography and cameras and things like that it's like yeah stuff you don't get to talk about that often um and to to have that connection with someone that you've never met before and was, yeah it's it it leaves a lasting impression for sure yeah it's a reminder of like your true fans too and not trying to continue to seek out the people you don't have yet but like really focus in on like no these are the people that are important like these are the the ones that are going to show up every single week to watch yeah. a new video. They're going to be the ones coming out to these events. They're going to tell their friends, like, what do they want out of this? You know, um, instead of trying to appeal to the masses. But one of my favorite parts was 
just the whole chemistry of the team and everyone that was involved in putting these together, especially the Denver one, because we had, I feel like one under our belt and we rolled in, we had some more help with the Denver one. My whole family came in, my best buddy came in. I think I mentioned that earlier. Brent was helping organize everything and it just, it was so cool. Like even though I was getting bombarded by people to talk to and there was like a huge line of people coming up and it was amazing. I didn't get to move all night. But I got to see like my mom and Luke and Lucas, my brother, work in the merch table. And then I got to see JD up there playing music. Dustin was running around doing the beer. Like that was so cool to see it all working together um, and people really enjoying the experience of just a live event and getting to meet other anglers too. You're telling me your favorite thing wasn't ripping solos at the Salt Lake City show. <laughs> <laughs> With the Raccoon Rodeo, baby. Raccoon Rodeo, the new band, the boys. Let's go. New music music coming soon. That was sick. That was actually really yeah. fun. But I don't think I like fully got to enjoy it. Just probably because I was so sleep deprived. <laughs> sleep and I was, like, deprived and like pulled in a bunch of different directions. My and, mind like, was going every, like yeah. so many different directions. And then the boys called me up on stage and we played, you know, for 45 minutes or whatever which was so fun to finally play our songs in front of people. But yeah, I was definitely up there. Like I remember just like looking down for a while and then looking up and there's just all these people. I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> this is bizarre. Yeah. For people. Yeah. People who weren't there, both of these events had a live music component in Salt Lake. And it was your first time playing a live show. Yeah. yeah Scotty and his band Raccoon Rodeo got up and played like an hour long set before the film. And then in Denver, JD Clayton, who has music in this film, Hope and High Water was there and played also like an hour plus set in person, which was really, really cool. And we hope that if we do more events, like this in the future, we can continue to do stuff like that, you know, which in and of itself is like this whole other amazing experience. Like it's worth coming out just to see live music. I mean, I, I don't know how much, you know, everyone who was there has like gone out and seen live music before, but I know not everybody does that and to like come out for a film and then to get also get this experience of being able to see live music in front of you, which is, we talked about it a bunch over these events, like what a special um, experience that is to watch people play music live. Um, so that was really, really cool. Yeah, shout out to JD. What a sweet guy. Yeah. Just blended in like he was part of the family. It was And it was so cool too cuz we were ha- we were both having like this like similar moment where we were all like kind of in awe of like watching, you know, like a, a really dialed professional musician give a performance, be like, "Oh man, it's like so cool that you're here." And he was like a big fan of both of our work too and he was like, "Dude, this is like a dream for like I can't believe I'm here." And we're like, "We can't believe you're here." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That was totally. yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And uh he, we had a conversation with him last night, just how fueled up and inspired he was going into this next year from this event and just how it got his mind turning on all these ideas for his upcoming tour and, and just year. And I was like, there's just so amazing that this isn't, wasn't a live like concert, uh, event. Like we had live music there, but he was inspired by elements of it that'll hopefully continue to elevate his career or whatever. Um, I do want to bring a special guest in if he's if he's not asleep over there. He's probably too busy with all the tasks you gave him, Scotty. <laughs> this is our boy Brent. Many of you might 
no Brent from the bike pack or other other videos. Squeeze in here, bud. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> B rent. Now that we have this camera on, <laughs> oh, Brent yeah. Brent has been. Size cow. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Camden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, like clams. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> the uniform. On. We gotta. Yeah. yeah. I think I think Chase might need to squeeze in there too. You yeah. have the same color pants <laughs> on. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, this is Brent. Season. He is the manager here at Wildfly Productions. Whoa, big time. <laughs> uh, he's been helping us out the last year and um, really added a lot of structure to like what we do and made a lot of the projects and especially this event possible. So huge thank you to you. You were helping yeah. organize a bunch of things and get everyone in order. And it really allowed us to just be there and kind of soak it in and not have to worry about all the things. So like, what was it like on your end? Like, What, what, what was your perspective? You were, you were seeing us like... Yeah, talk yeah. to people and you got to like from a wide angle kind of be there yeah it was it was interesting because i would i was kind of like in and out of actually being present there because you know we need to set up chairs and take chairs down or whatever so running some of the logistics pulls you out of like feeling the audience interact with you guys but it was like a refresh of so i got to experience this audience interacting with you know some good friends and some new peers um, in just the most authentic way. Like I've been to ski premieres, mountain bike film premieres. None of them, none of them yes. felt the same. I know you guys have already covered this, but no, I wanted yeah. to reiterate it. So yeah, wild. So sick. Yeah. Were there any funny moments or any any odd things that we would have missed because we were all tied up talking with with people, or any any like oh behind the gosh. scenes drama that happened? <laughs> <laughs> the the, all of the friends that you had invited that helped out, I'm not going to spend the time to name them all, but they were all so dialed. These were like the smoothest things I've ever been a part of. Put on big mountain bike races with professional careers or professional people helping out. This went way smoother because um, everyone wanted to help. But um, what was the question again? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, was there anything that we maybe missed or any like behind the scenes drama oh, that yeah, happened? Yeah. I was leading up to... Um, at the merch table, kids and their parents would come up and be like, Oh, I brought a gift. I want to give to Scotty. Like, how can we get, get you in the front of the line? Whatever. So they go visit Scotty and then someone comes up and Lori's like, Oh yeah, how can I help you to the husband? And the wife's like, Oh, I don't even know Scotty. Like I'm here for mama fly. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And someone asked her for a selfie. There's just like a bunch of little fun moments that yeah. you guys had no chance of seeing. But yeah, I heard she signed an autograph for her first. She time. signed an autograph. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's fun, man. Um, I remember panicking at the end of the Denver event because we had planned. It was Will's 30th birthday a couple days ago, and so we were like planning to give him these cupcakes <laughs> and. It came towards the end. And I looked at Amy. I was like, "Holy shit! Where are the cupcakes? Like, where's Brent?" Yeah, you were like full panic. Yeah, I was so like, I just disappeared. Yeah, and I was looking. Well, for I said, you. "Go find your mom or Brent. Like, they know what's going on. The cupcakes are secured. Like, it's gonna be okay." Yeah, and you were just so like, "Gone." We're up on this like high platform area of the venue. Put your high horse up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just start like frantically walking through 
the back of the crowd and they're probably they're like dude this is so good like great film and i'm just like <laughs> scotty's like tunnel vision like cupcakes cupcakes need mom where are they yeah <laughs> and i go back to where you were and you weren't there anymore i was like no <laughs> fortunately my mom was there and i was like mom where are the cupcakes we gotta get the cupcakes and uh she of course got up oh i got you and like we got it all figured out and we were able yeah. to find you and yeah. make it work but we just wanted it to be a cool surprise and um I'm glad it, it worked out. <laughs> uh, that was my favorite moment of the whole night was getting to blow out the candles and think about how old I am and then eat some cake. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty 30, baby. Yeah. No, thanks. That really meant a lot, though. It was cool to feel that appreciation for being there and, you know, getting to hear everyone, all 350 something people sing happy birthday to me. I felt very special yeah. on my high horse, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um also what what was it like for you the the week leading up to the event because you were you were in the trenches with us you weren't necessarily editing but you were helping facilitate stuff for the event and like you were in that room with with us finishing yeah that was really cool we got to like watch a almost final cut of the the film together and kind of all take notes and figure out what little touches you wanted to add to it and like I think it probably was refreshing because I don't have much of the editing brain and I haven't been staring at this project for like ever. So yeah, I mean like cool to watch it from not inside the edit and yeah. felt like maybe there was some value add there. Yeah. But- I feel like because you were not there on the trip, you were like really the first person fully outside of that trip with a different perspective or like it's easy for all four of us I'd say and especially Scotty and Chase and myself to be watching that and like we were there so it reads different for us and when you and Mama Fly came in there and gave your feedback it was like a oh yeah like this is like total outside perspective and like super valuable insight and little tweaks that needed to be made to to make sure that the point was getting across and, and some critical tweaks. There was like, a, well, yeah, yeah. I mean like really important yeah, feedback like a for part sure. In the intro or in the first, I would say third of the film that you reflected on after us watching. And I obviously have been watching it back. It's too many times. Right. And there's like a key moment that you brought up a question of just like, like a why, you know, mm-hmm. that was maybe missing from the intro. And so that was good for us to reflect and then find something to, to address that why. So that was super yeah. valuable. That was super scary, actually. Uh, I'm sure you guys have told the timeline already, but I mean, this was day before the export. So you, midnight the day before the export. And so you didn't really want to give any feedback that would make you have to go back in and do hours and hours of work. I figured you probably, if I gave you feedback like that, you wouldn't go do all the work you'd be like ah that probably doesn't matter but at the same point i didn't want you in the back of your mind going oh shoot should i do this or not so i almost didn't say anything on that because it could have turned into a big fix like it could have spiraled you know several hours of editing away but luckily we found a quick fix we made it work yeah 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 but i think feedback like that is super valuable and um yeah just having it's important to have multiple perspectives like we've been saying this whole time um fun to be a part of like yeah. you guys are machines you're super creative it is so cool yeah well we appreciated all the organization that you brought to the chaos that it felt like at times for us i think and like always you were always the calm voice of like we got this throughout the whole process mm-hmm. which is very 
very valuable and helpful. <laughs> yeah, which creates an environment for, you know, sensitive flaky art types like ourselves to be <laughs> sensitive flaky art yeah. types and not have to to think about all the other chaos because there's definitely I mean, I was aware we were sheltered from it, insulated from it because of the work that you guys were doing, but I was yeah. definitely aware that like there was chaos going on yeah. around I mean, like the events, et cetera. And like Brent did go and buy us wiper fluid. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he yeah. also, he bought us wiper fluid, a new hard drive. And yeah. what was the third Ricolas. thing? Ricolas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three, three most random requests in yeah. one order. Well, that's the, the crazy thing is like the, there was so much work and it came so far down to the wire. Like, yeah, it like we, we couldn't leave everyone, the house to yeah. run an errand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, like every minute we don't we don't have like food to eat. For. Like we have to eat. Like we don't have time to yeah. like order food or go out and get food. And you know, Brent's doing that stuff. But then also like the events planning, like there's a so much shit ton of logistics, that. man, to make one of these things happen. It's not like you just call up a venue and they say, like, cool, and like the structure's all there and you just like tickets at the door and like that's it. Like every single thing that people experienced at these events was had to be curated by someone and that someone was you know largely brent and your mom and a couple other people did a lot of that work yeah 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 Yeah, huge obviously huge shout out to her none of these events would have been possible especially the salt lake one um she we basically came you know she had to put all the other things she was doing with merch kind of on hold like wholesale orders and just really buckle down for like two weeks to to work on these the amount it was of, closer to a month and a probably half. a month yeah yeah the amount of uh permits we had to fill out for the salt lake event and hoops and like that was these. a really cool thing she had to go through all of that stuff and it took us a lot more work on the front end to do the salt lake event because we wanted to do 21 and under you really wanted to do 21 yeah. and under like allow all ages in excuse me yeah, yeah. and it would have been so easy to like now let's not get those permits. Let's just do it at a bar and make it 21 plus. But man, watching those young kids and their parents come in to, to see their inspiration in person. Those, those young yeah. girls too. They were yeah. there. Yeah. I think that That's made important. it worth it. Yeah. Obviously just funky alcohol laws in Utah made it a little tricky, but you know, we got her done and it was really rewarding to be able to like just celebrate this thing in person with everybody. So shout out to all you guys. This was such a fun, fun thing. And I can't wait for, can't wait for everyone to, to see it here soon. I mean, I guess when they're listening to this, they're gonna be able to see it. Um, yeah. If you, again, we've, we've said it again throughout, throughout the podcast, but if you guys do want to see the film, just go, it's on our website, wild-fly.com. You'll find it on there. It'll be all over. If you miss it, I'll be surprised. It'll be all over. <laughs> yeah. Social media. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, go support it. It'll be fun. Yeah, pay what you think is fair. A uh, portion of it is going to Western Native Trout Initiative, and we're just super stoked, stoked about the film, and and excited for you guys to uh, to be a part of it. So, thank you, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Chase and Amy. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, thank yeah. you guys. Thank you, everybody. Super fun. The yeah. A team. The A team. Excited to baby. see. Excited to see what we can come up with down the road here. Hell New yeah. projects down the line. Yep. Sweet. Well, thanks. Thanks guys for listening. Um, yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Uh